You may have heard about uh, the money laundering issue in BC, something known as the Vancouver model to top it all off in money laundering. It's uh, fairly complex, fairly sophisticated, and uh, there was a commission called into it a while back, actually. Uh, they did 138 hearing days. They heard from 198 witnesses, received 1,063 exhibits, comprising more than 70,000 pages. And tomorrow, the uh, Commission of Inquiry into Money Laundering in British Columbia, or the Cullen Commission, as it's often called, will release its final report, expected to be more than 1,000 pages. Its mandate includes making findings of fact on the extent, growth, and methods of money laundering, and of course, to make recommendations. The government has been seeking public accountability for why decisions were made by casinos, the BC Lottery Corporation, and the government uh, contributing to BC becoming a hotbed, really, for laundering through casinos and the housing market. Here's how Premier John Horgan described the impact of that criminal activity when this inquiry was announced back in May of 2019. That criminal activity has had a material impact on people, whether it be the rise of, of uh, opioid uh, addictions, the rise of opioid deaths as a result of overdoses, whether it was the extraordinary increase in housing costs, people were being affected by criminal activity in British Columbia. That's BC's Premier John Horgan speaking back in May of 2019 when the Cullen Commission was officially announced. Well, joining me now with more on this is Stephen Schneider. He's a professor of criminology at St. Mary's University in Halifax. He was, in fact, in fact, the first expert witness to appear in front of the commission back in May of 2020. He's also the author of Iced, the story of organized crime in Canada, published by HarperCollins. And he joins us now to uh, share some thoughts about what to expect tomorrow. Uh, Stephen Schneider, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you for having me, Ben. Um, you talked about this when you testified, but uh, perhaps listeners may forget exactly what the Vancouver model was, but it's not often that a that an individual city gets a whole uh, sort of process of money laundering named after it. What was it? Or is it? Well, the Vancouver model is, is a name that was originally applied uh, by an Australian professor that was looking at different forms of Chinese organized crime. It's basically a, a moniker that's been applied to complex networks of criminal alliances um, and the methods that are used to transfer and launder the proceeds of crime in BC and internationally. And at the core of this was um, uh, Silver International Investments, which was a money service business in uh, Richmond. Um, their clients were reportedly Chinese nationals that were illegally transferring money out of China to Canada, as well as criminal organizations that were involved in drug trafficking. And so the principal activities allegedly undertaken um, in this operation was, was facilitating capital flight from China to Canada via what's called informal value transfer systems. And these were being used by wealthy Chinese nationals and corrupt government officials that are trying to get their money out of China into Canada. Uh, the money launderers are also collecting cash proceeds of drug trafficking from other criminal organizations. Um, the drug money uh, that was being supplied to them uh, was then uh, basically provided to the Chinese nationals that were transferring their cash or their value to, to Canada. Um, and all this was, was all the money was being laundered through casinos and real estate, mostly so. Um, so it was a complex system that was used not only to help launder, to expedite money from China, but also to launder uh, drug money in Canada. And then the, all that cash was used to basically send back to China and other offshore bank accounts to purchase drugs. So it was a, a fairly complex system 
that was used for number purchases the those behind the system were making money both uh up commissions for laundering the money they are also lending the money out as a money laundering method and making interest through mortgages um so it was a, a complex system but it was again all about laundering the proceeds of crime whether it was um capital flight from china uh, or drug trafficking uh proceeds um in uh, british columbia do we have any idea of how much money we're talking about here no, there's been various estimates. I've seen ever from one billion to ten billion. Um, I, you know, I, I would again just guesstimate that it was somewhere between five and, and ten billion alone, because I've seen estimates that just in the real estate market alone, there was about close to four or five billion dollars that were laundered through uh, through the issuing of mortgages. You mentioned that this was a complex compared to traditional forms of money laundering. How so? Just because it was so organized and, and so uh, the network was so widespread? Yeah, and it was certainly the sheer amount of money. And it was also the way, again, that it was being laundered internationally. Um, the uh, We've never seen... Well, we haven't really usually when money is invested in real estate, for example, or laundered through real estate, it's it's invested in real estate. So the bad guys will just take their cash and, and purchase real estate. Here, it was laundered through mortgages. And while we've seen the bad guys take dirty money and lend it out as a mortgage, um, and then you know the mortgage payments are are basically claimed as clean money, never will we seen it done on, on such a huge basis. Um, the individual behind this was essentially a loan shark. And so he had a lot of experience in lending out money. And so he used this experience as a loan shark to launder money through loans or, or mortgages. And, um, but it was, uh, the comb- it was the combination of, of um, the, using capital flight cash from China and drug trafficking proceeds that sort of marrying these, a marriage of these two usually separate kind of uh, techniques that that made it fairly unique and so basically what happened was that um the drug money was used uh to cover the capital flight from china um in other words the drug you know the when the individual from china wanted to transfer money from china to canada the drug money was used to basically establish the funds for that Chinese national in Canada, which is something we haven't seen before either. But it's also a tip of the iceberg in that we're increasingly seeing um, what we call professional money launderers or, or uh, underground money service businesses. And um, these are individuals that now specialize in, in laundering the proceeds of crime and laundering drug trafficking. And while this is not the only case, it certainly was one of the biggest that we're seeing Kind of copycats out there as well in Ontario and other provinces. Um, uh, given why, that, why Vancouver in this? I mean, it, it always lends itself to the question: Why there? I mean, rules and regulations were in place that lent themselves to Vancouver becoming the hub for this. Well, there is a few reasons. Um, really, it was the fact that everything kind of revolved around um, uh, interactions and transactions with China. And uh, so you needed an individual who operated a money service business that already had strong inroads into the underground Chinese um, financial system. Um, China and Hong Kong have long had very significant underground banking systems. 
And that's why you still have a lot of um, Chinese nationals that deal in cash, uh, both in China, Hong Kong, and in Vancouver. And so, so you had, um, first and foremost, you needed somebody who had a strong understanding connection with the underground Chinese banking systems in order to expedite the capital flight from China. And um, again, so obviously in Richmond and in Vancouver, you had a very large Chinese population, uh, a large expatriate population that still had ties to China, to the banking system, um, and to corrupt government officials. And um, if you read Sam Cooper's book, um, Willful Blindness, he goes into a lot of depth on the um, connections between the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese government and organized crime, which has presence in uh, BC. So there's a real significant overlap between the Chinese Communist Party and, and organized crime in areas like human trafficking and capital flight and corruption and money laundering. So, so, uh, so Vancouver obviously has those strong ties to China and, and individuals there that have strong ties to the underground Chinese banking system. Um, so, and, but again, you have to make it clear here that this was not just Chinese organized crime, that you had all sorts of independent drug traffickers from all sort of ethno-cultural backgrounds. Um, and again, not just Mexican drug traffickers, hotels, but a lot of uh, local independent drug traffickers. Um, so it's a good example of how organized crime is not ethnic-based, that it is, you know, as long as there's a way to make money, um, all the bad guys are work together and cross, you know, ethnic and cultural and national lines. And so, and again, BC has always had a lot of money in a lot of drug money in the system um, uh, because of the port of Vancouver, a lot of fentanyl and drugs from China come through there. You have a well-established network of, of organized crime, Chinese and otherwise. Um, and of course the real estate market there is such that, um, it, there was this perception that we can hide a lot of drug money because there is such a large uh, um, real estate money uh, market in uh, British Columbia and, and Lower Mainland in particular. Speaking with Stephen Schneider, he's a professor of criminology at St. Mary's University in Halifax, one of the first expert witnesses or the first expert witness to appear in front of the Cullen Commission back in May of 2020. Uh, the Cullen Commission will release its final report uh, tomorrow and we'll talk about what, uh, what Professor Schneider is anticipating and what the impact might be after this. I'm speaking with Stephen Schneider. He's a professor of criminology at St. Mary's University in Halifax, the first expert witness to appear in front of the Cullen Commission back in May of 2020, and author of Iced, the Story of Organized Crime in Canada, published by HarperCollins. The Cullen Commission, of course, will release its final report tomorrow into money laundering, into this particular uh, inquiry into money laundering in Vancouver and BC. Um, professor Schneider, just, just how much, what are you expecting from the report? What would you be looking for in it in terms of what it's going to recommend specifically and what it's what it found well i think at the very least it's it's going to have to obviously address the deficiencies in the various levels of control with respect to money laundering that's that's obvious so what you saw to the whole the so-called vancouver model was a breakdown in control at pretty much every level where you needed that control of money laundering and and the um entry of proceeds of crime in the legitimate economy at, among private, private sector um, uh, companies in the real estate market and the casino market obviously dropped their ball, dropped the ball and, and um, didn't provide the, the proper controls to prevent um, the influx of large amounts of, of drug cash into the economy. 
um, the mortgage industry, uh, mortgage lending industry. At the regulatory level, obviously, there was a significant breakdown in, in their ability to control this problem and to prevent it, um, not just in real estate, but casinos. The casinos, obviously, were letting in uh, huge amounts of money, allowing individuals to launder cash. Uh, that should never have been allowed to do so. Uh, there was a breakdown at the political level. The, I guess the Liberal governments uh, dropped the ball in their fiduciary responsibility of protecting the public. Federal law enforcement, criminal law enforcement, proceeds of crime enforcement by the RCMP, obviously was severely, severely lacking. So really, you know, this was a perfect storm um, in that you had this huge organized crime, uh, money laundering, criminal conspiracy, and then a breakdown at every level that should have controlled this problem. So at the very least, I imagine Justice Cullen will be addressing the deficiencies at all these levels. Why were there? Why were they there? Um, what can we do to improve them? And, you know, whether or not and whether or not he addresses the larger problem, the larger criminal organized crime problem that this is indicative of um, will remain to be seen. Uh, because, again, this is really a microcosm or the tip of an iceberg of a much larger problem of organized crime in this country um, and uh, drug trafficking in particular, including fentanyl trafficking, which has certainly contributed to one of the worst public health crisis as we've seen in in, in years because um, we know a lot of the money that was being laundered was coming from fentanyl trafficking so so i think at the very least he will address the deficiencies in all levels of the system from the private sector up to federal law enforcement and perhaps he may address the broader issues of how we deal with uh, better with drug trafficking and uh, organized crime in, in canada because this certainly had an impact on the average British Columbian as well. We saw property values go up, but we don't know. I mean, there's been many estimates as to what the impact was, but this filtered right down through the entirety of, of British Columbian society as well as Canadian society to some extent. Well, absolutely. And, and um, you know, like I said, uh, part of this iceberg is, you know, the, the problem of drug trafficking. I mean, we've really, you know, the introduction of, of fentanyl is an under- as a black market drug, really changed everything as far as drug trafficking and organized crime is concerned. So we've never seen a, a product that is as destructive uh, as this drug. And and it's, quite frankly, this it's leading to even more potent drugs, carfentanil, you know, organized crime is are innovators. They know how to, how to create products to capture new markets. There's always going to be a new synthetic, you know, opioid drug out there. <clears throat> and, um, you know, that's, one of the biggest issues facing British Columbia and Vancouver right now, obviously, um, and it's why we've seen now the provincial government and the federal government look at decriminalizing small possession of small amount of drugs. So, um, so absolutely, when it come, it, this is you know part and parcel of that problem, the role of organized crime, the role of drug trafficking uh, in affecting people's lives. I mean, I'm from Vancouver. Everyone knows someone who's had been been hurt or uh, affected by um, drug overdoses, fatalities. And uh, so at the very least, again, this hopefully commission will will peel back some layers on on, on, on drug trafficking and, and how it's supported um, by innocent people, including the private sector that launders the money. And uh, but again, if anything comes out of this, hopefully it'll, you know, another step in the right direction of trying to address the supply of, of fentanyl and other, you know, 
incredibly noxious uh, illicit drugs in society. Because a lot of the money obviously was coming coming from there. I, I, as a last question, Professor Schneider, if you look at this globally, was was this a question of of, of just very sophisticated money laundering, or or a combination of, uh, of of both? And you mentioned the perfect storm, a sort of regulatory fall down, oversight fall down, and a certain level of sophistication. This wasn't criminal genius, I didn't imagine. They ran a relatively sophisticated operation, but it should have been caught very early on. Um, especially when you saw large amounts of cash going into River Rock Casino. I mean, that right away should have triggered alarm bells. It was really more about a breakdown in controls at every level at where there should have been controls. Um, that's really the important point. But again, um, you know, this the case uh, is indicative of, of the massive amount of money laundering that does go on in British Columbia and Canada and the fact that we're now seeing the rise of, of similar professional money launderers um, who are establishing themselves or situating themselves to fill that demand. And as long, you know, as you have individuals that are, you know, sophisticated in laundering money, and which also you have to remember is, is financing the purchase of drugs. It's not just laundering the proceeds of drug trafficking. It's used to finance drug purchases. As long as you have individuals playing that key role, um, that's going to continue to sustain the drug trafficking um, organizations and other criminal groups out there. Stephen Schneider, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Ben.